Um, turn, please, in the scriptures to Matthew, the sixth chapter. I don't think I'm starting a series tonight, but I won't. I won't guarantee that. <laughs> you, you've been here before, hadn't you? So. Uh, I have these ideas about doing a single, <laughs> and then it becomes a double and a triple and a dozen, but that's one of the benefits of a church, right? You can come back and you can benefit there. When I travel, you know, I have to do it in one or two sessions, whatever, but uh, I, can, I can just keep preaching to you. <laughs> we can just keep going. Uh, we're, we're at home, at the house. Uh, Matthew 6, in the words of the Master himself, and they are so wonderful. Matthew 6:25, Jesus said, I, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. Now when he says take no thought, the understood descriptor is anxious thought. Take no anxious thought, or you could say worried thought. No fearful, anxious, worried thought. Doesn't mean you can't think about your life. (laughs) But you need to identify when you've gone beyond thinking and planning and you're fearing and worrying. You need to be able to see when you've crossed that line. It's okay to think about what we're going to do and think about what's coming up, make plans for it. But when you cross the line and you're not just thinking about it, you're worrying about it. You're dreading it. You're anxious about it. You're fearful about it. Now you are missing it, or I, whoever's doing it, spiritually. You or I doing this are ignoring the commands of the master and actually hindering him from doing the thing we're worried about. We're hurting ourselves. We're working against ourselves now and we're hindering him from doing things in our life when we cross the line from just thinking about it to worrying about it. Worry is not okay. Now, you got all kind of church-going people that, I mean, they in, you know, mental assent, they will agree with this chapter here, but really, they don't believe it's possible not to worry. And many people have grown up, uh, and their parents and grandparents and everybody around them just worried and feared and anxious. They just grew up in an environment of fear. And when you've been in a, a, an environment of something, a pool of something, for 40 years, you're used to it. You don't notice it. And when the world around you is the same way, you think it's normal. But fearing and worrying is not normal for a child of God. It's not okay. 
Hmm? And the Lord does not understand that you're going to worry sometime. <laughs> what do you mean, Brother Keith? Did he tell you don't do it? Then how's he going to be understanding that you ignore him? He'll forgive you. But he's not going to justify you doing it. And he's not going to accept that you say, well, yeah, but Lord, such and such was going on. You know how bad it was. I couldn't help it. He will not believe that. He will not accept that because it's not true. You never, I never, we've done it. You did it. I did it. But we did not have to. We could have gone a different direction. We could have actually listened to and obeyed Jesus when he commanded us. Don't take, don't receive the anxious thought. Said out loud, everybody, take no thought. Did Jesus say it? Do you reckon he meant it? Take no thought. That's no anxious, worried thought about for your life about what you're going to eat. What you're going to drink. What you're going to put on your body. Or for your body, what you'll put on. So these are what we'd call the essentials or necessities of life. Food, housing, clothing, everything that goes with that. Do you think a lot of Christians worry about these things? Huh? How about this year? Huh? With the shutdown, with the virus and all that. Do you think there's a lot of Christians worrying about are they going to make it? Is that understandable? No. <laughs> huh? Is that, is that justifiable? No. Is that reasonable? No. Not for a Christian. Now, if you're an unbeliever, you know, you're going to do all kinds of stuff and it's not for us to say, but if you're a believer... Jesus is your Lord. And when he tells you to do something, he expects you and me to do it. Doesn't he? He won't make you do it, but he expects you to do it. You're the one said he was your Lord. Right? And if we don't do what he tells us to do, it's going to cost us. It's going to leave the door open for the enemy to confuse and steal, kill and destroy. And it's going to hinder and block the Lord from doing things he wants to do in our life. The scripture talks about the Israelites in Psalm 78, was it? They turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. How in the world could you limit God? You can't limit him concerning himself, but you can sure limit what he does for you. And this is one way we would. Keep reading. Take no thought, he said. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Do birds worry? Huh? Blackbirds. Bluebirds. Red birds. Huh? Parrots. Turkeys. Doves. Huh? Do you which birds you reckon worry? Have you, 
<laughs> Somebody said turkey because Thanksgiving's coming up. I see your point, but I don't think so. Have you ever looked out your window and saw some birds sitting on the power line or some fence doing this going, oh man, I don't know. It's just not a good year for grasshoppers and insects. I'm coming up short here, man. I don't know. They, come on, say that loud. They They don't don't worry worry. ever Ever. at at all. No matter what. No matter what, they don't. Why am I talking about? Because the master brought it up. He told you and me, consider the birds. They eat. They eat good. And they never worry about where their next meal is coming from. Never. Why is he telling us that? He wants you and I, in this regard, to be like the birds. In that we never worry about how we're going to pay a bill, about how we're going to eat, about how we're going to have a place to stay. (laughs) Now just saying that, do most people practice this? No. But did the Lord tell us to practice this? Should we take him seriously? Keep reading. Verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, taking a thought, worried thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? That's clothes. Now, he keeps saying, why take a thought? Don't take a thought. A worried thought. Why worry and take worried thoughts about Am I going to have clothes? Would this include clothes for your kids? Did I even get one amen out of that one? Huh? Well, I mean, it's, it's just being responsible to worry about your kids, right? Right? Huh? I mean, if you care. <laughs> Y'all going to help me over here? If, if you care. You're going to worry, right? Why do I say that? Most of the church believes that. That you can't, if you you don't worry when it doesn't look good, that means you don't care. You don't care enough to worry. Not even thinking about, though, how did you ever help your child worrying about them? When and where did you ever help them? By worrying about them. Now, you hurt them if you're filling your house full of fear and anxiety and they have to live in that stew with you. Huh? If you're acting spastic and you're making bad choices because you're so scared and you're so you're panicky, that'll hurt them. And... It'll get in God's way of meeting their needs and taking care of them. That'll hurt them. Fear can open the door to the enemy working. That can hurt them. If you care about people, you won't worry. 
When you understand spiritual things, you will get a hold of yourself. Even if you've been a worrier for decades, you will get a hold of yourself and say, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I care about them. I can't do what hurts. I got to do something that helps. I can't let myself do this. Got to get a hold of myself. Stop this. It's a habit. Hmm? Most people grew up in it, in a lot of it. And the thing is, just because you've been around faith preaching doesn't mean you kick the habit. <laughs> you can be around a lot of good things for a lot of years, and still, when you go home and something comes up, you're worrying. You're dreading it. You're scared about it. You're upset about it. And when the enemy brought these thoughts, panicky, fearful, dread, dreading thoughts to you, you took them. You took them. He said, I have some thoughts for you. And you said, for me? He said, yes. <laughs> And you said, okay, I'll take them and thank them. And you thought them, and they bothered you, and they vexed you, and they upset you. And he said, I have some more. Would you like some more of those? (laughs) I have some even more intense. You want some more? And you said, okay, I guess so. I'll I'll take them. (laughs) And you, you dwelt. For hours at a time, on how in the world are we going to make our payments? What if we get put out in the street? How, where, where are we ever going to get the money to, for our kids to go to college? I don't think this car is going to last another year. I, I don't, I don't. And, and the enemy sends his emissaries and goes, "It's actually worse than you thought." because did you think about this have you considered this I bet you hadn't thought about this and you go oh no oh no oh no oh no and you took the thoughts you received them you accepted them you signed for them you opened them up you did I did but When are we going to smarten up and learn I don't have to think a thought? This is one of the greatest revelations you could ever get. And it's one of the greatest accomplishments in spiritual development that you will ever accomplish. Is learning to control your mind. On purpose, choosing to think on something, whether it looks or feels like it or not, whether you want to or not, and choosing not to think on something, no matter how pushy and how much pressure is involved with it, how what it feels or looks like, being discerning and discriminating enough that you don't just start thinking stuff because it comes to you. You meet it at the door. 
of your mind. You analyze it. Hmm? And decide if it's something I should be thinking on or not. And then you choose not to think on it. And the enemy's persistent. He may bring it back to you a hundred times in the same day, but you can refuse it a hundred times in the same day. Did Jesus say, don't take that thought? Did he say it? Not once, not twice, repeatedly. In this, he keeps saying in the chapter, don't take that thought. Don't take that thought. Don't take, does it matter? I just see two nods. Thank you for, huh? Does it matter? The reason I say it, because the enemy will try, he's convinced most of the world, oh, you know, thoughts are not even real. They don't, you know, they don't really matter as long as you don't actually do it or, no, no, no. Thoughts are the beginning of everything. This, this earth, this universe, the material universe was at one time a thought in God. Can you see this? All the cruelty and the crimes and the death, they come back to thoughts and wicked plans and imaginations and imaginations. Images, thoughts, feelings. You getting saved started as a thought. Didn't it? A thought came to you that you weren't okay (laughs) in your current condition. And you heard the wonderful message of the gospel and those thoughts in that words revealed the plan of God and what had been given and offered to you. And the thought came to you from the Holy Spirit. You need to receive him. Right? You need to receive him. And you acted on that thought. And instead of going to hell for eternity, you're going to heaven now. That's a thought. A thought. Romans 8 says, to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How much difference does what we think on make? According to Romans 8, it's life or death. Most people don't believe that. They do not believe that. But it is written. And you wouldn't have to understand all the ins and outs of it. Just know that if your master, the head of the church, told you, don't take those thoughts, what should you and I do? Huh? Look at your neighbor. Help them out. Say, don't take them. Don't. Don't. Take. Don't take what? Worried. Anxious. Fearful thoughts. Don't take them. Huh? Say it again. Don't take them. Who are you quoting? Jesus. Head of the church. Let's keep reading. He said, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed. Like one of these, verse 29. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of ye little faith? It shows little faith to be worrying about these things. It's acting like you don't have a God. 
It's acting like you don't have a provider or a protector. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, God's going to be there. Huh? And, and, And without knowing all the details, some of the strongest faith can be in the simplest statements. Abraham, our father in the faith, you remember one of the greatest examples is when he offered up Isaac. And he said, Father, we got the fire, we got the wood, where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide. Amen. Oh, come on, can you, can you hear that? God, come on, say it out loud, God will provide. God will provide. How much of the details you have to know to be completely persuaded of that? You can be totally, fully persuaded. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? God will provide. Will we be okay? Absolutely. And better than that. Right? I just don't know if we're going to make it. Never say such a stupid thing. Huh? Do your words matter? Life and death's in the power of the tongue. And why would you question God's faithfulness and his goodness? Is he real? Is he real? I know a lot of the world doesn't believe it, but you do. Is God real? Does he care about you? Is he able to take care of you and help you? Will he do it if you trust him? Then what you got to worry about? What do I have to worry about? We need to do what he directs us to do. That's true. It's important. But once we've done that, and you get into the realm of things we can't do, there's no benefit in worrying about it. And there's even damage and loss if we accept the thoughts which are actually questioning his character and questioning his faithfulness. Because if you're so scared that you're not going to make it, you're not convinced either that he's real or that he can do it or that he will do it. If you're really convinced of these things, you don't worry. Hmm? I found this, Phyllis, in my personal lives. The, the more we go, the longer we walk with the Lord, the stronger our faith gets, the less I worry. The ministry has gotten bigger and bigger. The numbers have gotten bigger. The bills have gotten bigger. I don't, I don't even want to figure out a lot of times what it takes to run these things each day. Some of these numbers I'd rather not look at too hard. <laughs> and you don't know how, um, you know, how's it going to happen? Uh, there, there's no set formula or thing. You don't know who's going to give when and how for it all to come together and it all be there when it needs to be there. I mean, it takes the, the choreography of God to do it. But if we're doing, this is a big one, if we're doing what he's directing us to do, that's a big one. But if we are, why should I lose a wink sleep? That's well, easy for you to say it, isn't it? What, but why should I? I should not. And thank God I don't. I don't. I do not. And we have seen month, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's there. It's there. More than enough's there. <laughs> More, and not only is all our stuff paid for and all our bills are paid, we're giving to others. Talking about you, you and I, we're giving to others 
liberally, but if I and you start worrying about this, we could mess it up. I could go home tonight, start looking at the bills, and go, 30000 a week, 300000 a quarter, $2 million a month? Huh? What, what, what do I need to do? Oh, man. Are we having enough offerings? Are we, are we, we're in trouble. <laughs> huh? Because if I'm worried and Phyllis is worried, it's going to come out. You're going to hear it. You're going to feel it. Huh? And if you're worried and I'm worried... And all the partners get worried. And the church gets scared and worried. Can God no longer meet our needs and take care of us? No. no, but we're stopping believing him. We're unhooking. We're questioning his ability, his faithfulness. Do you hear that phrase? God will provide. How many believe if you were standing on the mountainside there with Abraham and Isaac and you'd have looked into Abraham's eyes when he said it and heard the tone of his voice, would it have convinced you, you think? Oh, yeah. Huh? If he'd looked at you, somebody said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He said, God will provide. Watch it. You just watch it. That is faith. Did God provide? The ram was already on the way. I said the ram was already on the way. Abraham hadn't seen him yet, but he was. Come on, I want to hear somebody say it like Abraham, because you're a child of Abraham. I want to hear you say it with some confidence. God, my God, will provide. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. In glory, by Christ Jesus. Yeah, but what? Yeah, but what? What if they close the country back down? Yeah, but but what if? What if then? Yeah, but yeah, but what? These are poisonous thoughts. Can you see this? They are deadly dangerous symptoms in your body. Work the same way. What's wrong with that? Oh man, that hurts. Now, that's not hadn't been working right. I don't know what's wrong. The moment you have any kind of symptom or off feeling, the enemy will come. Try to convince you. It's deadly. It's terminal. It's incurable. It's chronic. You're not going to make it. And if you start focusing on it, meditating on it, if you take those wrong thoughts, it'll poison you inside. It'll, it'll open the enemy to work against you. Your fears will come on you. And it'll hinder the Lord from helping you. Do you remember when uh, they came to get Jesus to go minister to Jairus' daughter? Do you remember that? And he said, I'll come. 
And when he's on the way, they came from the house and told him, don't bother the master any further. She's dead. She's dead. Do you remember what Jesus did? Anybody remember? What did Jesus do? He turned. He looked at Jairus. What did he say? What did he say? If Jesus is already, you know, he's going to do it no matter what happens. There's no need to have this conversation. Why would he stop? Everything stopped. Can you see that? They came. They said, don't bother the master any further. So they've stopped walking and proceeding. And you're a daddy. They just told you your little girl's dead. You know they wouldn't come lie to you about that. These are your people. And this, you, you would feel like a ton of bricks came down on you. And Jesus looks at you. He looks you in the eye. He says, don't fear. Fear not. Only believe. Say it out loud. Fear not. Fear not. Only believe. We, we can't do any of this. And we're only going to do this. Can you see that? No fear. Only faith. Fear not. Only believe. And she'll be healed. Whew, glory to God. Amen. Now, people have left the impression, well, no, Jesus just went and healed whoever he wanted to because he was a son of God. That is not how it happened. In his own hometown, he could there do no mighty works except he laid a hands on a, on a few. No. If it didn't matter, he wouldn't have stopped and done this, and it certainly wouldn't have been recorded in the scriptures for every generation. Because it wouldn't have been a big deal. wouldn't have been relevant. The reason he stopped and addressed it is because if uh, Jairus receives these thoughts that it's over. I'm too late. It's too late. It's hopeless. It's over. If he receives that and stops believing... This miracle is not going to happen. Because the reason he's following him is because of his faith to start with. Remember what happened with Peter? They're in the boat. They see Jesus walking on the water. Remember that? And uh, Peter eventually said, Lord, because he said they, they, they got scared. They thought it's a ghost. They're seeing a ghost. And the Lord said, it's me. It's me. So they're looking at each other in the boat. And Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come. Call me to come. And, you know, uh, religion will, you know, uh, university theology would have Jesus then Oh, Peter, who do you think you are? You a mere worm of a man, acting like you can do what I, the Son of God, do? I'm the creator. I can do this. Don't try this at home. But that's not right. That's not the real Jesus. What did he do? Lord, if that's you, call me to come. He said, come on, boy. Come on. Let's go. 
And he focused on Jesus, looking at Jesus, thinking, everybody say thinking, thinking, thinking about what Jesus said, come, stepped out of the boat, stepped what would have been the water, and didn't sink. Oh, is there power in the word? That word manifested under his feet. And he is walking, taking steps toward Jesus, doing what is physically impossible, like what Jesus is doing. But then something happened. And here you see the devil is the master of distraction. With the wind and I mean, and the waves, he's, he's, he's doing wonderfully. And a wave kind of slapped him up against the head a little bit. And he felt a breeze try to blow him. And he, he, he took his focus off of the master. He looked at the wind and waves. And what's that telling him? You can't do this. You can't do this. Nobody can walk on the water. You will drown. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. He turned loose of those thoughts come. I'm doing it. You can do it too. Come on. He turned loose of that because the enemy brought him some other thoughts. Hmm? This was spiritually minded. It was life. It was peace. It was power. But the enemy said, you can't walk on the water. Look how the wind's blowing. You can't walk on the water when it's calm. That's unreasonable. But fear is unreasonable. And he looked at the waves and he focused on the wind. Did he take a thought he should not have taken? Did he do it? And the moment he did, the power stops manifesting. And the moment the power stops manifesting, he can't stay on top of the water. He begins to sink. Thankfully, he cried out to the master, and the master caught him. Even when we come up short, cry out for mercy. <laughs> the Lord will catch you. Will he? Now, he's going to give you a little lesson at the end. He's going to say, what? why did you doubt? You were doing so good. Well, but, but the wind, the wind. The reason he says, why did you doubt, is because there is no reasonable answer. To that question. Why did you doubt? You didn't have a legitimate reason to doubt. You say, yeah, but the pandemic. Yeah, but the lockdown. Yeah, but God. Huh? What is that to God? What is that to God? But it's our choice which thoughts we accept and which thoughts we reject. That's completely our choice. The Lord won't make us. Thank God the enemy can't make us think on something or receive something. Some, somebody said out loud, take no thought. Take no, take no worried thought, no anxious, no fearful thought. Don't take it. Don't take it. Take no thought. Verse 31, therefore, take 
No thought, Jesus said, for what? The fourth time already here? Take no thought, saying, which, and here, here we see the connection between thoughts and words. When you think on something enough, you're going to say it. It's going to build in you. If you meditate on something for a length of time, it's going to build up in you and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It'll come out. And if you've meditated on it enough that you really believe it in your heart and now you say it with your mouth, you are enacting principles that the universe are based on. And it will start working for you or against you. It works just as effectively against you as it does for you. You or me. God created everything you see with his words. But before he spoke, he conceived it inside himself. In the thoughts. In the vision. It all started with a thought. Didn't it? A God thought. Well, the enemy knows how this works. And so he tries to take uh, bad thoughts and feed them into you. Because he knows if he can get them into you and you'll dwell on them and think on them and let them stew, it'll get from your head down in your heart. And when it gets in your heart and you get persuaded of it, and you start, and it starts coming out of your mouth, it'll govern your life. It will set spiritual forces in motion for you or against you. Jesus said, take no thought. Come on, say it again. Don't take it. Don't take it. Saying, don't take, because see, that is proof positive you have received the thought. Hmm? You received it and you have put enough validity in it that you are now going to express it with your words. You, you will not sit silently for too long a period thinking about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Till somebody will bring up something and you know what will happen? You'll open your mouth and you know what you'll say? What are we going to do? Why? Because you have taken, you received the thought, you've, you've chewed on it, you've meditated and once it gets built up in you, it'll come out with you It'll come out of your mouth sometimes without you even meaning for it to. It'll it'll jump out. It'll slip out because whatever you get full of, it's going to come out of your mouth. Take no thought saying. Come on, quote Jesus on this. Say it out loud. Take no thought thought. saying. saying. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, I know a a lot of us have heard this before. But should we take Jesus seriously? Should we? Why is he telling us this? Is it just, you know, nice thoughts, high sounding things? Or does it affect your life? We should, should we never say, I don't know how we're going to get food this week. 
What are we going to eat? I want to hear you say, don't say it. And, and you know, before that, don't accept the thought. Right? If you won't accept the thought, you'll never get to the place where you're saying it. Well, uh, how are we going to get clothes for the kids? How are we going to get it? The Lord told you not to say that. Amen. Didn't he? Yes, sir. Did he tell you don't say it? Yes. Then what are you going to do? <laughs> These folks are not going to say it. I, huh? The Lord told you not to say that. Huh? I don't know how in the world we're going to pay the rent. Huh? What did the Lord say? Don't you say it. I don't know how we're going to make it this year. I don't know how we will ever be able to do this. Help me out. What did the master say? Don't. Don't take that thought. And don't take that thought saying that thought. Don't say it. Don't take it. Don't say it. Is he trying to protect us? Is he trying to help us? Is he trying to make it where the devil can't do stuff in our life and get his words, the Lord's words instead in our mind and heart and mouth so that he can do the things that we need done? He told us what to say. You, You don't say I can't do it. You say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't say I'm so weak, I'm so weak. You said let the weak say I am strong. He said call those things that be not as though they were. Huh? He said my God will supply all my needs. God will provide. Somebody needs to get that in their mind and in their mouth. God will provide. Huh? Somebody watching on the camera, you need to say it. You've been sitting there quiet. You need to say it right out loud. God will provide. God will provide. How in the world are we going to pay these bills? God will provide. God will provide. And the way we can tell you believe it is you don't worry about it. You just don't. You just don't. He said, don't say it. After all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things. People sometimes say, well, well maybe, we, maybe we don't really need it. No, God said you need it. He knows you need it. But you're not going to get it by worrying about it. Worry never paid a bill. Worry never healed a body part. Worry never helped anybody. It's hurt a lot of people. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Not just how I can pay my bills and have what I want. How can I further the kingdom of God? And all these things, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, where you live, they will be added to you, the Lord said. They will be added to you. I'm a witness. Phyllis is a witness. We have endeavored to seek the kingdom of God, and dear me, we've had everything in the world added to us that we needed and wanted. Nobody could convince me this is not true. I've seen it. Verse 34. In case you didn't get the first. (laughs) Four or five times. What did the Lord say? Take therefore. We say therefore. Take no thought. Don't take it. Look at your neighbor. I want you to help him. If the Lord thought it was worth saying three, four, five times. 
Help somebody say, don't take that thought. Don't, don't take. Don't take it. Don't take it. Take no thought for the morrow. For tomorrow. Now he said for what you're going to eat, drink, wear, live, that kind of stuff. Now he's saying a little something different. He's saying don't take an anxious thought about tomorrow. Have you ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Huh? (laughs) End of the week's coming up. End of the month's coming up. End of the quarter's coming up. End of the year's coming up. This stuff is coming to you. Did the Lord say, do not take an anxious thought about the day after today? Did he say, don't take it? For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. That's King James. Tomorrow will have enough issues of its own. Is another way to say that. He was sufficient to the day. Is the evil or others say trouble or problems thereof. I believe it was Miss Corey Tin Boom years ago made this statement. I really like it. Stuck with me. She said, in essence, I think it was her. In essence, you're using today's resources on tomorrow's problems. And... The Lord gives you grace and faith for today. You don't need it for tomorrow because you're not there yet. And if you're using up your resources, your strength on tomorrow, today, it's a trick of the enemy. You won't have enough for today and tomorrow. You're wasting today's resources on tomorrow. Can you see that? And how many of you, don't, again, don't raise your hand, but you were, you're really worried and, and were upset about something in tomorrow, next day, end of the week, that never happened? Huh? Have you ever done that? Then you, I, we were foolish. We endured vexation, frustration, distraction. We were wearied. We were weakened. For what? It never happened. It never, we never had to deal with it. The Lord doesn't need to give you resources to deal with something that you're never going to deal with. Is it true that the Lord's mercies are new every morning? Great is thy faithfulness. Will he give you what you need to deal with tomorrow? Do you have that today? No. You don't have tomorrow's grace today because you don't need it. You're not there. What do you need to deal with? Today. (laughs) Right? And it's a trick of the enemy to... You know, I could be enjoying the day. I don't have anything really to deal with, problem right now to deal with. But instead of enjoying the day, I'm using today's resources to worry about 
tomorrow. What if the Lord comes beforehand? It's totally irrelevant. What if I'm wrong about the suit? What if it never happens? What if I never even need to deal with it? This is what the master's talking about. Go to Philippians 4. Can you take a little bit more? Well, you can get some more in Philippians 4. <laughs> Woo. Actually, I looked at my notes, so uh, you got to go somewhere else. Go to Acts, the 12th chapter on your way to Philippians 4. It's on the way. Acts 12. The enemy will keep trying to tell you that this is pie in the sky. It's not reality. That when you're really in a bad situation and under duress and stress, nobody can help it. You can't keep from being upset and and worried. He has most of the planet convinced of that. Your mind's got to be renewed with the Word of God, and you got to decide you believe the Master, not your previous experience or lack of experience or the common wisdom of the world. Here's the wonderful thing. The only way thoughts can vex you is if you think on them. The only way thoughts can scare you is if you'll think on them. The only thoughts can confuse you is if you'll think on them. If you won't think on them, they can't scare you. They can't hurt you. They can't make you depressed. Are you listening, child of God? This is one of the most amazing things you'll ever get a hold of. It's one of the biggest parts of spiritual development that you could talk about. Is developing powers of focus and concentration and controlling your mind. Not letting your mind dwell on a thing that you know you shouldn't be. And making your mind focus on the thing you know you should be focused on. And if you hadn't been doing this, well, you're untrained. Oh, man, this is growing on me. <laughs> it's already not a single. <laughs> you need to go to another verse. First Corinthians 13, and hold your place in Acts. And I hadn't forgot about Philippians. Is, it, is all this good? Is the word good? It's all, the word is good. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke, I talked like a child. Now, another, this could also be translated babe. This is a little child. Young, young. Small child. When I was a child, little child, I spoke like a little child. I understood 
like a little child. I what? Thought like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, when I developed, I put away childish things. In other words, I, I, I quit uh, talking like a child. I, I didn't understand like a child anymore. I quit thinking like a child. How does a child think? Undisciplined. Right? Yeah. Whatever hits them. Huh? And sporadic. Right? Oh, there's a balloon. Oh, there's ice cream. Oh. <laughs> Am I telling it right or not? You, Boom, 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 boom. How does a child think? Like a pinball machine. <laughs> You're over here. Unless... Is something that really scares them or really bothers them, then it's like flypaper on them. And they just scream and wail, and you got to figure out how to get their mind off of it. Because they don't, they don't even know how to try to make themselves stop thinking about this. They, at the moment, are obsessed. With the thing that's scaring them, or bothering them, or distressing them. Childish thinking is undisciplined thinking. It's uncontrolled thinking. And the thing is, you can be 50 years old and be childish in the way you think. Which is what? Pinball. Oh, oh, you're supposed to be paying attention to the word. And the thought came about there was some fried chicken in the refrigerator at home. Oh, yeah, I hope it don't go too much longer. I get that chicken. Ooh. Or what's coming on the TV? Or, or who is that somebody? What did they have on? Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, I don't know why that, I don't like that. Uh, what are they doing with that? Ooh, what are they doing with that? Huh? What are they doing with that? Oh, Childish. Now, if you are two years old, we're not shocked. But if you're 20 years old, you don't need to be doing that anymore. You need to develop and learn how to focus and not be distracted and not be pulled away. And what happened to Peter? What if he'd have just kept his focus on the master? And ignored that stuff. And not taken those stuff. Well he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have fallen. He wouldn't have sunk. He wouldn't have failed. So he still was exhibiting. Characteristics of childish thinking. Wasn't he? Yes. Not knocking him. You've done it. I've done it. But is the master calling us to develop. Yes. And become like him. Amen. Hmm? To grow up. Yeah. Somebody say I'm growing up. A big part of growing up is developing strength of spirit and strength of mind and cultivating powers of concentration and focus so that I, I put my mind on what it's supposed to be on and I keep it on there. And if it wanders, I bring it back. 
And if it wanders, I bring it back. And if it wanders, I bring it back. And if the enemy is trying to get my mind on the wrong thing, I refuse to. I know it's there, but I refuse to. And if I slip up, I go, no, no, no. Now I cast that down and I put my mind back on what it's supposed to be on. Come on, can you see that? This is where the biggest battle occurs. The, the fighting, the good fight of faith, the spiritual conflict and battle, this is the biggest part of it in your personal life. That's why the scripture said our weapons of our warfare, they're not fleshly, they're, but they're mighty. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Does that sound like a disciplined mind? Every thought? Well, you'd have to know the Word of God to be able to compare it, wouldn't you? To bring it into submission. You say, no, 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 the Word says this. So I don't accept that thought. Well, no, the Master said this. So I don't receive that. The Lord said, he gave me this and I have this. So I don't accept that. Bring in every, somebody say every thought, every thought captive to the obedience of the anointed one, the Christ and his anointing. So we're growing up. Huh? We're not going to be baby minded, pinball, bounce all over the place. You know, got the attention of a gnat. (laughs) We're not going to do that. Come on, just say it by faith. I'm developing developing. powers of focus focus. and concentration. Concentration. Controlling my mind. mind. What I think on and what I don't think on. Now go to Acts, please. Was that worth going by right there? Okay. Go to Acts, 12th chapter. Verse 1, about that time Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. He, He had him executed. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter. That's actually, I guess, the only place in the Bible where the word Easter appears, and it's not correct. Passover is correct. Easter is not a Bible word. It's a false goddess word. (laughs) I know a lot of people don't like that, but it's a fact. That went over big, didn't it? (laughs) Study it for yourself. That's why we don't, if you'll listen to it, we don't use that word. We talk about Resurrection Day. Because Easter is from the goddess Esther, the goddess of fertility. That's where the bunnies come from and all the other stuff. And I'm not saying your kids can't have fun with eggs. But Easter's not a New Testament word. Uh, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer, well, well let, me, let me back up. 
Herod intends to bring him out uh, the next morning. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church to God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth. Now, this is the next morning. The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. The keeper before the door kept the prison. Now, it's nighttime. In a few hours, Peter's to be executed. It's scheduled. It's on the books. And tell me what Peter's doing. Tell me what he's doing. (laughs) What would you be doing? Huh? You're going to be executed. You're scheduled. Let me say it like that. You're scheduled to be executed in six hours, four hours, three hours, whatever it is. Hmm? With the sunrise comes your demise. Supposedly. It's your last night on earth. What are you doing? What would you be doing? Writing your memoirs? Planning your before execution speech? What would you be doing? Now you've read the story. You you probably think, well, I'll do what Peter did. Yeah, but what would you be doing? (laughs) Maybe you would. Hope you would. But how is Peter able to do this? He's sleeping so soundly, the the angel has to kick him. Did Did you see that? The angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he didn't wake up. Light didn't wake him up. Angel coming in didn't wake him up. And he had to smote. Smote means you hit him. Smote Peter on the side. The boy is in a deep sleep. Hours before his scheduled execution. How's he doing this? Because he is not thinking about the execution. He has chosen not to. He sees no future in it. Thinking about the execution. So he's chosen not to think about it. Now other folks would try to tell you. You can't help but think about it. But he's sound asleep. So tell me how he's doing it. The angel had to kick him on the side. And say get up Peter. He's like huh? What? What? Peter. Peter got to get up. Get up. He's in a deep. No worry. No fear. Sleep. Enjoying his rest. (laughs) Chained to soldiers. Soldiers out front. Soldiers all around. Scheduled to be executed in the morning. It's possible to choose Not to think on things that put fear in you, dread in you. It's possible to just flat choose to change the channel. Why? What can he do about it? What if they did kill him? 
He's saved. He knows what's happening. He's going to be with the Lord. Huh? Why should he worry? What's it going to help? What's it going to do for him or anybody else? So have, did, don't you think thoughts came to him? Did the enemy bring him any thoughts? You know he did. He wouldn't receive them. He wouldn't take them. Somebody say he wouldn't take them. He, he wouldn't take them. The thought, oh, you better do this. You only got a few hours to live. You better do this. Maybe see if you can write something down. Maybe see if you can do this. Maybe see if you can plan your speech. Maybe they'll let you talk. You better, you better, you better, you better. Panicky, fear, worried. And Peter said, nah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You'll be there in the morning. You'll take care of me. You'll provide whatever I need. I'm going to lay my head down here and get some good sleep. And he did. He's the one that pinned, casting all your cares. <laughs> didn't he? First Peter 5, 7, didn't he? Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. So now we have insight into why he was able to do it. He knew the Lord cared about him. He was confident the Lord's going to take care of him. Cared about him and is going to take care of him. So he refused to take anxious worried care into his mind. He, he cast it. He threw it off of him. Onto the Lord and said, well, Lord, you, you know. This is out of my hands. I mean, the king has decided I'm going to die in the morning. Well, in that country with the king, you don't vote on anything. There's no appeal. There's no anything. He's the king. And if he says you're dead, you're dead. It's just a matter of the clock ticking. But there was somebody bigger than the king. And he heard the prayers and he sent the angel. But the angel did not find Peter biting his nails. Sitting there, thinking, oh God, oh God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? Oh God, you got to come through. You got to do something. No, he probably wouldn't be in the book. There probably wouldn't be any story about this if that's what he had been doing. He is sleeping soundly. The Lord gives his beloved sleep. And thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Huh? You reckon that's what Peter was doing? That's exactly what the boy was doing. One reason I want us to look at it and take a minute on it. The enemy will tell you it's not possible. It is possible. It is possible to absolutely refuse to worry about anything. No matter how bad it looks. How, how depressing it feels. how He's not in a nice place. He's not in a five star hotel. Right? He's in a stinky, damp, wet, cold dungeon. In chains. How many reasons would he have for not being able to sleep? Huh? More than you. Huh? <laughs> I'm not able to sleep. Well, whose fault is that? Cold, stone floor, stinks. 
chains every time you move. <laughs> uh, can't do that. Uh, huh? Soldiers, when's the last time they bathed? Back in them days, not too often. Huh? You got smells, you got discomfort, and on top of that, tick-tock. In the morning, chop, chop. <laughs> you reckon enemy tried to bring him to that? Wonder what it'll feel like for that axe to hit your neck. Yeah. I'm going to cut all the way through your, your spine and your nerves. and Oh, man. I like my neck. I've had it all my life. Is he doing any of this? Come on, is he doing No. Why? 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 Why is he not doing this? Because he chose not to. He chose not to take those thoughts. He chose to cast the care of the whole situation over on the one that he knows cares about him. Right? <laughs> just, like, just like Abraham saying, the Lord will provide. Peter laid down, and I don't know if he said it out loud or what he did. He's got all these guys around. He probably did. He's kind of a bold guy. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. Thank you. Thank you. Laid his head down and went sound asleep. Can you do that? Will you choose to do it? That was only two nods. Do you want miracles? How about I'm asking that? Do you want a miracle? You got to do these kind of things. To get these kind of miracles, you got, if you want the kind of thing he got, you got to do what he did. Philippians 4 in closing, I think. This is not an isolated thought in the Word of God. We see it virtually every book, every other page. I mean, it's, it's all in the Word of God because it's, it's faith. And in Philippians 4 and 6... Be careful for how much? How much? For nothing. Put up the amplified on that. Amplified. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. There are people all over the place. If you weren't reading this scripture right in front of them and you told them, stop worrying. Stop having any anxiety or fear about anything. They would look at you with anger and go, I can't help it. If you were going through what I was going through, you'd be upset too. Not if you obey the Lord. Not if, not if we obey Him, we wouldn't be. Can we do this, church? Can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? Should we do it? Should we? Can we do it? Say it out loud. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. What do I do instead of that? In every circumstance, in everything, pray. That's what the church was doing. Praying, not in unbelief and fear, but in faith and petition with thanksgiving. Make your wants known to God. You can tell him what you need, what you want. But then you don't just keep begging, verse 7, and God's peace. 
hallelujah, that transcends all understanding, will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're thinking on him. Instead of worrying about the problem, you're focused on the master and what he's doing for you and how he's responding to your petition and your request and how you're going to have everything you need and how you're going to be okay. And when you do that and you got your mind stayed on the Lord, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, you get perfect peace. 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 Verse 8. And... For the rest, whatever's true, whatever's worthy of reverence, honorable, seemly, pure, lovely, kind, winsome, gracious, if there's any virtue, excellent, any worthy praise, think on. Everybody say, think on, think on, think on, weigh and take into account these things, fix your mind on these things. Can you see? He said, don't worry about anything, don't think about that, don't take those thoughts, take these thoughts. Think about, fix your mind on what the Lord said, what's true, what's good, what's just, what's virtuous, all these things. Think. Now, that that requires effort. You have to put your mind on it. And if you get distracted, put your mind back on it. And if you get interrupted, put your mind back on it. Huh? We've learned in aviation. Aviation is... It's not that it's that hard in some ways. It's just an unforgiving environment. It doesn't suffer dumb mistakes. And so what we've learned and are learning, you've got to be focused and you've got to do things the same way every time. Elsewise, if you're all over the place, you miss stuff. You forget stuff. So it's, for instance, to do a pre-flight. I start always at the door, entry door. I check the door seal. I check the oxygen. And then I move to the left, never to the right, only to the left. I check that all the covers are off the pitot tubes and the static ports, only on this side. I look up at the windshield. I look down the side of the plane. I look down the wing. But I'm only moving this way, never that way. I look at the nose wheel, I look up under there, I look at the tire, the strut, everything, nothing missing. Then I go around the nose, only this way. Looking at the windshield, coming around here, I'm looking, all the covers are off, pitot tubes, uh, static ports. And if somebody comes up and talks to me, and I get distracted enough, you know what I do? I go back to the door. <laughs> so Michelle, but you already did that. Yeah, but I got, I got, my focus was broken. Huh? Where did I stop? Where did I start? What did I miss? The problem is I don't know what I missed. Come on, can you see that? I've got to develop powers of focus and concentration. I had a guy fly with me some years ago, a pastor I was taking somewhere, and I was in the jet, and he came up in flight. And we were coming down and getting ready to do an approach and everything, and um, he uh, uh, he came and tried to. He's going to ask me a question about this and that, and I said uh, I can't talk right now, and that's all I said to him. And he came back later. He said, "Man." 
never saw you so focused. I said, it was time to land the plane. I can't, I can't be having a conversation with you. Yeah, and, and, and he was kind of his feelings hurt a little bit. Like, you, you just said, you know, basically talk to the hand. No, don't. I can't talk to you right now. Well, the question, does he want to live through this landing? You know that he needs to leave me alone. <laughs> the reason I say that is the principle is the same. If I've got problems in my body, I can't think about how I feel, about the diagnosis, about it's incurable. About, I can't do that. i got to focus on by his stripes I was healed. Huh? You're not going to make it. I am going to make it. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. Are you all with me? You're not going to make it. I am going to make it. I cannot entertain the other. And if something distracts me, I have to say, stop. And I got to put myself back on this. Hmm? Yeah, but this. Yeah, but the economy. Yeah, but the COVID. Yeah, but the shutdown. Yeah, but who's going to be in office? Yeah, but I know who's in office. The office of the provider, that never changes. I know who's my high priest. That never changes. No matter what's going on, my God shall supply all my... That's what's going to happen. Yeah, but what? No whatabouts. What if? Doesn't matter what if. That's what's going to happen. My God shall supply all... What have I got to worry about then? If that's true, and all my needs are going to be met, all my bills are going to be paid, why should I lose sleep? What have I got to be upset about? What have I got to be depressed about? Huh? Church is going to be okay. Ministry is going to be okay. Phyllis and I are going to be okay. I'm believing for you too. You're going to be okay. Don't disagree with me. Huh? You're going to be okay. I said you're going to be okay. You're coming out. Huh? Why? God will be there. Huh? His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He cares about me. He cares about me. He takes care of me. I'm his boy. How about you? You his boy? You his girl? Huh? Huh? Come on, say, I'm whatever you are. I'm his boy. I'm his girl. Whatever you are. Say it. I am. I am. And he takes care of me. He watches over me. He takes care of me. Always. Always. He said, cast all your care on him. Be careful for nothing. Don't fret, have any anxiety about anything. But make your request known to God. And then don't just keep begging and begging. Thank him. And put your mind on what he said about it. Whatever's true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. Think. On these things. What did Jesus say? Fear not. Believe only. And she'll be healed. And obviously that's what he did. And she was. Thank God for the one who never changes. The same yesterday, today, forever. The one who is no respecter of persons. The one who loves you. You hear Phyllis saying she's God's favorite. 
You can only believe that for yourself. John said, I'm the disciple he loves. That doesn't mean he can't love anybody else. But nobody can believe that for you but you. Somebody say, he loves me. Come on, stand on your feet. Stand on your feet and say, he loves me. He 